Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Simon Clark and Lawrence Stefan at American Lithium. The company has brought together the Plateau Energy Assets under the same roof. Uh, we talked to them about how they're going to advance all three projects. Have they got the funds to do them? What are some of the deliverables that we can expect to see this year? And if you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversations, topics discussed, company and indeed the individuals concerned, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. We've got commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including lithium and our weekly uh, uranium show. Uh, we do summaries of all the interviews that we've done to save you some time because we know you're busy people. But most excitingly of all, we've got a wonderful, thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, safe environment, free from judgment, trolling and abuse that you see elsewhere. And if that does sound nice to you, go and join them. Cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Gentlemen, welcome back. How are you both? Very well, thank, thank you. you. Simon, thank you. Lawrence. Lawrence, you look very dapper, I have to say. You look like you're on your way to a dinner party that I should be invited to. What's happening there? I'm at the dinner party. We're going to have a big, big feast with American lithium in less than two weeks from now. So actually, I'm preparing for the wedding. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, congratulations, by the way. So the, 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 the marriage has happened. Uh, it's the, the marriage has been consummated. Um, you two must be pleased. That must have been hard work, Simon. Yeah, it's been it, 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 well. It's been a long process in terms of time. Um, most of that has been just notice period for meetings and things like that. But you know, we've been starting to work together pretty closely now over the last couple of months, um, and we've been able to get Lawrence and his team involved, helping us on the technical side at, at Tonopah. So. You know, a, a, a lot's happened already ahead of this. Um, and, you know, the process itself has actually gone pretty smoothly. I think, you know, we had a unanimous vote on the plateau side in favor of the merger. And um, people are excited about the two companies coming together and what they can achieve going forward. Um, Lawrence, were you a bit nervous during the middle of this? Because obviously you had uh, all sorts of uh, headlines coming out of Peru around the same time with regards to the elections. Was that a possible uh, dampener? Well, it's a very interesting. It's a very interesting question that you ask, and it's not a simple answer. You know, I can reply in two minutes, or I can talk probably for two hours on the subject. And politics, it's look, we are engineers, so we'd like things. We'd like to stick to the to the to producing lithium. However, our life is governed by politics, and actually, we have to understand the environment that we are operating in. Yes, uh, what's happening in Peru is a bit worrying, you know, because look, we expect it to have a clearer, it's much easier when a country has a parliament moves uh, into a single direction. Uh, it seems that after the first round, you know, it's not a very clear cut between, uh, between uh, uh, Pedro Castillo, who represents uh, Peru Libre on the left side of the spectrum, and Keiko Fujimori, who is center-right. Uh, so... Although Keiko is number two, the polls they demonstrate lately that actually the, the the limit between the difference between the two candidates it's very very small. It's a long process to go because about thirty percent of the Peruvians they decided not to vote. They are undecided or they may spoil the vote. Uh, you have to understand that in Peru is very important because Peru is one of those countries where it's compulsory to vote. You know, uh, exercising your democratic right it's actually compulsory, which is probably good. Like Australia, there are not too many countries, but look, it's debatable. 
But look, irrespective of the elections, the way how we see it, uh, we'd like definitely to have somebody who is pro-business. And we are very happy that even Pedro Castillo representing the left turned uh, a bit his, uh, his initial uh, uh, very vocal accusations against uh, the West, against capitalism and against the possibility to uh, free business in the country. He now he claims that he has no intention to nationalize. He just wants to make sure that actually Peruvians are treated fair and they leave a larger part of the benefits into the country, which we are pro. Yes, it makes all the sense in the world. Although I would like to say that actually at present, the way how the law, the mining law is structured in the country, almost 50%, not cash, not quite, just under 50% for mine, mining and just over 40% for oil and gas stays in the country. Whether you call it uh, dividends or share profits or whatever, paying people VAT, this is the reality, 50%. So if you compare it to the other countries in Europe or like in North America or in Australia, it's not very friendly. What attracts people to Peru is the fact that the country is very rich and it was very easy to do business in the past and we like to believe that the same positive environment will stay. Whether the left will win or the center, you know, whoever will win the country, we have to work to operate in a country with a very clear constitution, mining rules. And personally, I do not believe that many things will change irrespective of whether the right or the left, because in principle, changing constitution, listening more to the left than to the right, we, as many countries in South America, demonstrated before the election, it's a lot of noise. And usually after the ele elections, logic does prevail, prevail. And hopefully this is what would happen with the Ruta. You're saying it's going to be business as usual when the politicking is done. Is that what I'm hearing? I would like to believe so. Whether it will be like that 100% or with a bit of hiccups, you know, we're, we're going to see. But look, we heard the same type of noise five years ago, 10 years ago. And uh, at the end of the day, nothing happened. Nothing happened. And the enthusiasm for mining companies to operate Peru, it's still the same. People are worrying now. Yes, are very worried now. But uh, I personally believe it will be business as usual, or I would like to hope so. Okay, great. Well, let's let's talk about what business as usual is going to look like, Simon. So you've, you've done the deal. You got strong approval uh, from the shareholders. Um, what have they asked you to do? What have you promised to do in terms of the way forward? Well, I, yeah, so the shareholder vote was on the plateau side. Um, we, we didn't actually need that on the American lithium side. But, um, you know, obviously bringing the two companies together is key. Um, we've done a fair amount of marketing in the interim and talked to our, sh our shareholders. We've talked to prospective shareholders. We've talked to plateau shareholders. So, you know, I think, I think when they look at this, um, you know, they look at, Peru, yes, and we, you know, you mentioned the elections and and the issues with that. But it's mining is so important to the Peruvian economy, um, and it does, as as Lawrence has said, there it has a very good and fair mining code. So we do believe it's a good jurisdiction to be, um, you know, operating in. So I mean, the main message that that we've had is is you know bringing together this large scale asset in Nevada, um, you know lots of issues in in the US about uh, critical minerals and the need to enable the switch to this uh, new energy paradigm that's happening um, with safe secure supply from from the west but you know not only domestically in the US but then bringing in a country like Peru which is certainly seen as a 
as as part of that as well on the safe source of uh, of, of minerals um, gives us some good diversity but but brings in um, two very intriguing assets um, Falchani on the lithium side we think is a first class asset that really has the potential probably to move into production the fastest out of all of the combined assets um, and has lots of scope to be materially bigger than it even is already. So, you know, we're very excited about that. And then, you know, we also have a really intriguing uranium asset. And although we're not uranium focused, we think there's a lot of value that we can create for our combined shareholders from that asset. And then Critically for American lithium as well, um, you know, we've always said one of the key assets is Lawrence and the technical team. I mean, they have spent the last two or three years proving uh, at Falchani, which yes, it has different mineralization from from um, Tonopah in Nevada, but a lot of the actual flow sheet and the, and, and the metallurgy, et cetera, has a lot of characteristics. So Lawrence and the team, you know, they put together a very advanced PEA, almost to feasibility standards, and proved that you can get to battery grade lithium at Falchani. Um, and you know that process is going to continue to be refined. We'll increase things there, but critically, a lot of what they've learned we can apply to what we've done in Tonopah. Um, you know, and I'll let Lawrence talk a little bit more about that as we move forward here but we really think his team can help us you know Tonopah has some great advantages over the other claystones in Nevada it's the fastest leaching of all of the um, of all of those deposits you can leach out the lithium in 10 minutes um, the issue you have is you leach out a bunch of other stuff as well and then you have to design a flow sheet to take those out and get to battery grade lithium which is our goal and which we fundamentally believe we're well on the way to achieving but Critically, Lawrence and the team, with what they've learned, can really help us, we believe, fast track and short circuit that process. Okay, appreciate that answer. Um, Again, Falchani is the most significantly advanced lithium asset. But in terms of the business, this new combined business, this this bigger lithium company at play, you've got to uh, talk to the market and let them know how you're going to be spending your dollars to create value. The market has reacted particularly well to the Tonopah story. That is not what reacted well to the Falchani story. It, you know, we could see that in the share price or share depreciation um, previously. So, where do you, where do you see what is the order of play? What can your current sh- your shareholders, combined shareholders, and the market expect to see from you in terms of the way forward? Because you can't do all of the above at the same time. Well, um, you know, our, our, our goal is actually to advance all three projects. Um, you know, Tonopah is in the phase uh, of, of process engineering and metallurgy, as we've talked about. And, and, and that is a process. Um, we filed our plan of operation in January, um, which will allow us to do additional drilling. It will allow us to, you know, learn more and more about the resource and, you know, where the high grades are, ex- exactly what we want to do. We've had success as well as leaching at upgrading in situ. Um, and we've talked about that. So we will continue that process. I mean, the goal at uh, Tonopar is moving into a PEA um, either late this year or, or early next year. But to do that, we, we have to get through the process side of things. And again, we want to do that to a, a high level where we, you know, we can show that we can get to battery grade lithium. So 
that's ongoing. Um, Falchani, um, you know, is, is already at an advanced PEA stage and we want to move that into feasibility, you know, and we will have the capital and the resource and the work that Lawrence has done already to continue that process and move it towards PFS likely early next year. Um, and then on the, the uranium side as well, I mean, we have the capital, uh, we have the team and, and you know, Lawrence's team in, in uh, Peru is, is set up and doing the steps ready to do more, more drilling on the uranium side as well so that we could move that to a PFS. Um, so it sounds, I, I, get what you, I, I get what you're saying, you know, can you focus on all three? I mean, our goal is to move all three forward as we've always said, we don't. We are a lithium company, so uranium. At some point, you know, we will look at what do we do with that. Do we spin it out? Do we sell it? Um, but in the short term, we think we can create a lot of additional value for our shareholders by doing some additional work there and moving it up the chain, so that when we do make a decision, you know, likely some point next year, but but who knows? We'll be dictated to by the market and the right timing. Um, we can really achieve some some good value. So, you know, Lawrence's team in Peru is, is a, a deep technical team. We have a good team on the ground. You know, they're well advanced with community relations with the whole permitting side of things. Um, and, you know, I, I think the big change here that I'd like to leave people with, with is for a number of reasons, you know, Plateau has been undercapitalized in the last couple of years and it's not had the, the capital that Lawrence has really needed to drive those projects to the next level. I mean, through the merger, um, we believe that, that we have the capital markets following an ability to provide the capital that it needs. Okay, so you're saying that the um, Falchani Peruvian asset is something that you are going to move forward from day one. It was merely capital constrained and you think that there is interest in the market. And they, they, I guess what you're suggesting, therefore, is that it could have the most accretive value uh, of I, all of the projects. Is that what you're saying? Well, it, it's the most advanced. It's, it, it's at battery-grade lithium. Um, you know, we think we can increase the re- resource significantly with some near-term drilling, both on the existing asset, but on some, some new areas in, in the broader package around it. Um, but we, you know, we do believe we can also move it to feasibility relatively quickly. Um, again, it's at battery grade already. Um, and Lawrence has done a lot of work with not a lot of money in the, over the last year or two. I mean, and, you know, part of the reason we think this has been a, a great timing for this from our perspective is that we believe Plateau was very undervalued through some issues that they've had over the last couple of years, the downturn in the market, and you know they were capital starved, and so we think you know the timing for this is is really good. Lawrence, how much money do you need from Simon to move this through to feasibility? And secondly, how much time is he giving you to help solve some of the technical issues up at Tonopah? Look, to be honest, you know I'd like to have it from the market and from the shareholders, not from Simon, because Simon is Scottish, you know, and I'm not so <laughs> sure how uh, what he will give us, you know. So we have to be careful about that. But look. I have no doubt that Simon uh, will be a great CEO. So as a result, our plan, when we discussed the, the merger, we were thinking actually to spend about 60, 70% of the funds for Peru and 30% of this raised 
for uh, at this at this at least for during 2020 uh, for American lithium. And uh, you ask the question, Lawrence, why don't you push Tonopah faster? Well, what you want to do and what you can do in the capital markets, there are two different things. Logically, yes, we have a new president in the United States. It's very clear that most of the automotive industry in the States will orientate, even General Motors said by 2035, there will be no auto and, and, and or diesel engine and engines on the on the streets. You know, I well, I'm not so sure, but anyway, it's not for me to decide that one. I'm not making policies. But very it's very clear that America wants to catch up from a part of the world that uh, that produces only two percent of their needs for strategic metals, they want to be the number one. So Tonopak will probably be a very, very important one because I'm very positive. Uh, their present resource of 7.8 million, I, I have no doubt, uh, no doubt that actually we can push it much higher. I, as I always said, the main aspect of this merger is, is, the, is the, the resource base. At, at the moment, we have probably about 12, 30 million, depends how you count it. Let's call it 12 and a half million tons of lithium carbonate equivalent, you know, with 4.7 in, uh, in Peru and, and uh, 7.8 in, uh, in, in the United States. Uh, I have no doubt that uh, in two years from now, we're, look, we're looking at a company with assets of about uh, over 20 million tons of lithium carbonate equivalent. A lot of them will come from, uh, for, uh, from Tonopah, but also we have, another, we have to finish evaluating Falchani. I'm convinced that we can increase it with quite a considerable number. And we have two new targets and we plan, if you follow our press releases, we are planning to start drilling probably in the next two, three months from now. So the resource will increase. So look, we have a resource, what are you going to do with it? You know, Sure, I would like to push Tonobach and be able to provide Elon Musk with lithium in uh, three months from now. Will that be possible? No, it will not be possible because we need, first of all, to have a very good understanding of the, of the um, flow sheet. At the moment, we know that they produce some lithium carbonate. We know that there are some problems on the pre-concentration side, but I have no doubt that actually our main focus, it will be to, in the next three to six months to make sure that we produce a flow sheet at, uh, at Tonopah. So we definitely have to do more drilling. We have to understand what the exact potential is there. But I believe that if the, the flow sheet will be successful and I see no reason why it shouldn't be, or at least we can discuss about that in details if you want technicalities, but it will probably be able next year to move into PFS. I do believe that if we are able to do exactly as we did that for China, very high quality, a very high standard PA, almost PFS studies, the move into prefeasibility, feasibility will be very straight. So if we are successful on the processing side, I see no reason why we shouldn't move Tonopah into prefeasibility, feasibility in 2022, next year. However, that's why we want to, 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 and what are we going to do? Metallurgical, metallurgical, more test work, more, more chemistry, more chemistry until we understand exactly what we have to do at Anopa. In Peru, that will probably attract 60 to 70% of the, of the funds. Again, what you can do and what you want to do, there are two different things. If you ask me wh which one is the project that will probably be faster to bring into production, it will be Makusani Uranium. And probably this is what not, not what you want to hear, but it's a reality. Why? We have the resource, we have the knowledge, we did four PAs in the past, so we can bring uranium in production, in production in Peru in less than one and a half years. Okay. I, I do want to come to uranium. I, I, I do, because I think there's some exciting things happening in the market at the moment. But I, let's just stick with the lithium now, because this is a lithium 
company first and foremost. Okay? Correct. Correct. So you're saying that you've got to come up with a flow sheet in the next three three to six months. Is it a case of um, you know diff- difficult will take some time, the impossible will take a little bit longer? You think you can crack the nut from what you've seen so far? Okay. With the exception of the brines. So look, in the solid, where lithium occurs in a solid state, and I'm not comparing it with solid state batteries, definitely, it's a mineral, whether it's a glass or crystallized or amorphous or whatever, but definitely it's solid. First of all, you have to bring it into solution, and then you precipitate it to produce your final sellable lithium carbonate, whether it's lithium product, whether it's lithium carbonate or lithium hydroxide, whatever the market would need from you. So. I do believe that based on the latest results that we've been able to obtain from Tonopach, I, I cannot divulge them, but they will be probably published. We'll try to see after our uh, coming together sometime in June. We'd like to publish that. Most of the, imp- or some of the impurity removal problems that Tonopach had uh, are in the process of being solved. Magnesium being one of them. I'm still a bit worried about uh, sodium. You know, sodium and lithium, they have a very comparable uh, geochemistry. But I do not see big problems because, as I told you in our previous interview, we had the same problems at Falchani when we started, and we fixed them. We know how to do that. And to be honest, looking at the ratios and everything, the pH solution, it's almost the same thing. So purity will be able to achieve. Where actually we have to do more work, it's on the the leaching side. Because as Simon said, Tonopa has an amazing quality, and I'll probably sit myself on a, on, a, on a high stand and actually scream it at everybody, you know. There is no other lithium deposit in the world that can be leached in 10 minutes. Tonopa is a miracle. It's a miracle. It's unbelievable, you know. So, but we have to be able to optimize that one because as lithium comes fast into solution, there are a lot of, let's call it probably not very academically junk, fellows lithium. So as a result, we have to make sure that that process of leaching we do it on such a way that actually to have a, an easier, probably focused lithium extraction. And we have some ideas how to do it. And definitely we work at the same time with a pre-concentration. You know, Tonopah is great if you can criticize the, the resources because the grade is not very, very, very low. But I like also to emphasize one thing. It's not much lower or lower actually than a lot of other clay deposits along the Nevada trend that actually they have PAs and PFS or even feasibility studies. So it's very doable. And actually, I do believe that Tonopah actually has a lot of other qualities that the other clay deposits along the Nevada trend do not have. So we have to stay positive. Such as? Low amounts of potassium and sodium that actually they will associate lithium. There is a problem with magnesium and calcium. They will come into solution, but also the precipitation demonstrated that we can extract them. And we do not have any other nasties. There are no base metals, any other type of thing. So if we are able to fix the ratio lithium to potassium, sodium, magnesium, and calcium, and all the most of the tests are demonstrated that is doable, now we have just to improve it. We have actually to improve it to a level that will make the difference between technical grade to battery grade. Okay, so it works, but it needs to work. You want it to work better, i.e. Much, no, no, no. Better much margins, better. much better. Much better. Okay, much fine. Better. Um, let's talk about uranium, okay? I'm gonna stick with you, yes. Lawrence, okay? Because it's your project. Um, do you still, because there were some legal issues. Yes. Have they been resolved? What do you actually own? What have you had to give away? 
the question specifically focuses on uranium. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uranium, it's it's a non-issue legally because we've been able to keep ninety-nine point seven or six. I think a, a small corner of a deposit or scut. So look, whether it's 99.7, let's not be finicky. I think I don't think that 0.3% will destroy the world, you know. So we've been able to keep most uh, of our uranium deposits. And in those over 30 targets that we still have undrilled, we have no doubt that we can bring more, much more uh, uranium to the party. Uh, uranium is very easy. It's very easy because actually it leaches very easy. It's of a high purity. We have a lot of PA. The last PA was probably done almost as a pre-feasibility study. Some parts of it, it's almost feasibility. So if somebody will said, look, can you produce uh, uranium from Peru in two years? And if we have the money, I will probably take that challenge anytime. So why? Because we had, look, it's the oldest. We started Makosani uranium in 2004 privately. It was listed in 2007. So actually, we did a lot of work. And, and all the engineering, all the scoping study, everything is done. Falciani, we discovered it just uh, three years, actually four. Eh? There will be four years in November. Time is flying. But we've been able to do something extremely fast, like no, any other, uh, no other lithium companies, they've been able to do it for an unknown resource to something that actually demonstrated to produce the high, one of the highest purities and uh, of a lithium carbonate uh, battery grade. Tonopah has the same. You cannot cut the corners in mining. You know, unfortunately, this is one thing that I would like to explain to everybody. Tonopah, they started working properly last year. Let's, so stick, actually, let's stick with uranium. Let's stick with uranium because I, I, yes. I just wanna, I want to understand what Simon's options are going forward, okay? Yes. You're saying yes, legal issues to a very, very large and significant uh, percent uh, have gone away. So there's a, there's a 0.3%. Okay, for uranium. Let's stick with uranium. Um, there, therefore, it was also another cash-constrained project of yours. You're saying oh, a lot, a lot. that with the money which may come or could come from uh, this this merger or so this this acquisition, you can you can set this free. The question is then, do you guys do it or do you spin it out or do you sell it? or let someone farm into it. You've got lots of options on the table because you can actually get at the project now. Is that what you're telling me? I will probably reply, but probably Simon will, uh, will not be very happy with my answer. You know, it's very difficult. I'm thinking from a geological point of view, it's very difficult to find high quality ore bodies on planet Earth. We do mining, man, for 6,000 years in a more organized fashion for the last 3,000, quite fancy in the last 2,500 and the very technologically in the last 100 years. And there are always new revolution, evolution that we, we produce faster and the grades are dropping, are dropping. But somebody, something like Makusani, not only uranium, not only that is the fifth or the sixth largest undeveloped uranium resource found on planet Earth, but we know that we can double that resource with the right amount of capital. And also it's very pure and very clean. I would like to develop something that we found. Whether the market will agree with that, I'm, look, I'm not a dreamer. I know very well that we are looking, the company is called American Lithium, not American Lithium and Uranium. So at some stage, probably we'll have to spin out the, the Uranium assets. But I'd like to do it on terms that make sense to everybody and mostly to the shareholders that they stuck with us for such a long time, you know? Because I do believe that in the right uranium market, and I see the uranium, it definitely will probably have a very serious run. I'm not so sure it will happen tomorrow, but very soon. 
Actually, Lawrence, what, what are the numbers? Uh, we can probably extract easily if we go people bleaching 88, 90% lower capital, or we can probably, if we want to do it tank leaching, uh, we can probably extract 96, 97% extraction. And the beauty of that one is probably one of the cleanest deposits uh, because it's not a refractory uh, uranium mineralization. It was deposited by water, you know? fluctuation of the waters from the glaciers in Peru. So it's not nasty like most of the ores that happen to, to, to be in Canada or in Australia or those things, they leach for days or weeks or months, you know. We, ours leaches in two hours, <laughs> in two hours. It's almost unheard of. When people heard, they said, it can't be true. Well, it is very true. And also the two uh, essential contaminants that they are always, actually the three of them that's always associated with uranium deposits, thorium, molybdenum, vanadium are non-existent. So we, we can produce a very, very clean uranium uh, uh, oxide uh, very cheaply. It's very important to say that actually our costs, cash costs are in the region of about $17, which compares very well or probably not even un, not quite under Kazakhstan type of assets. So it will produce very cheaply for a long, long time. So when's the spin out, Simon? <laughs> you can tell me. You can see, Matt, you can see there will be some debate on that. But I mean, we we fully recognize with Lawrence the the value of Makassani. I mean, it's it's not again. It's in the plateau um, sphere. It wasn't properly valued. Um, you know that company on its own, when it was a uranium company, I think had 120, 130 million market cap on its own back in 2007, 2008. And there's no doubt we're, we're seeing uranium become accepted by the day as more and more a piece of this new energy puzzle. Um, you know, in Canada, we've even seen talk of some small, uh, you know, nuclear plants going in and, you know, China, you hear it all the time. So, so yeah, I, I mean, we're not, we're not going to give it away. I mean, we've, we've been approached to sell it already um, and, or spin it out already. And, and we're not going to do that. As Lawrence said, there's, there's, a, there's some, some relatively simple steps that can be taken in Peru to take this to feasibility. I don't want to oversimplify it, but, um, you know, and, and it will be a very strong feasibility study. And at that point in time, if it makes sense for shareholders and the company, then, then we'd look to maybe spin it out or do something with it. But we will keep our options open. Okay. So you, thank you for that. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, actually. Uranium is picking up. The momentum is there. We've seen Sprott and the UPC deal this week. We've um, we've, we've seen a, a lot of movement um, in the uh, uranium juniors in terms of their ability to raise cheap capital. Um, so I'll be interested to see how you play that out. On on the back on the lithium though, um, you, you are going to move both projects forward. Six, do you agree with the number there? 60, you know, sort of 60, 70% allocation to uh, Peru and the rest on uh, Tonopah? Yeah, I, I mean, in the short term, um, you know, we're waiting for our plan of operations in, in, uh, in Nevada. And, you know, that is a process that's a governmental process. We don't, we don't see any issues with it. But, you know, even under the new administration that is very, very pro-battery metals, and by the day there's new initiatives coming. But under the current regime, it's probably it'll probably take us to the summer to get that plan of operations approved, and then after that we would look to do 
some drilling at Tonopar, a fair amount of drilling, as Lawrence said, to potentially high grade and understand the resource better. Um, but at the same time, we're continuing, for, you know, full speed ahead on the on the metallurgy and the process engineering side, um, and then hopefully we'll marry the two together. So, so yes, but in the short term, as as Lawrence said, the, the plan is to be drilling at Falchani within a couple of months here, and. You know, so so definitely, you know, sixty percent for Peru sounds about about right. And um, you know, uh, as as we then move into feasibility at, at both places, then uh, you know we'll have to assess beyond that. So now that now that the deal's done, you can admit to me that you picked up an absolute steal here, can't you? Yeah, we think so, and I I think we did admit that at the time. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I, I, I mean, Lawrence and the team have done a fantastic job technically in, in Peru. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think we were, you know, Plateau had a bunch of tired shareholders who had been in the story for a long time. You know, mix of uranium, mix of lithium. Uh, lithium moved, the price of lithium moved against the company at a bad time where they had some legal issues on some concessions that Lawrence has talked about. Um, and everything was compounded. So yeah, we think we think we got a great deal, um, and uh, you know, very excited about Makasani. But personally, I'm even more excited about Falchani and what's been achieved there. Um, and I think uh, I, I think the two the two lithium assets together provide a really great portfolio going forward. Okay, guys, look, appreciate your time today, your insights as ever. Stay in touch. Let us know how this gets. There's a lot of moving parts. Lawrence, you sound like you're, you're going to be really, really busy. Um, let us know how you're getting on uh, and more more communication would be brilliant. Thank you. No problem. Happy Thank to you very back. much. Thank right. you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.